Welcome back everybody to the Charity Coffee Chats with uh, Tim Bennett and myself, Crystal Zenz. We are so excited to be back for our second episode from our series, The Culture Code. And we are featuring the wealth of wellness today, which is essentially a spin-off to the old saying, health is wealth. But in charity, that couldn't be even more important. So to start off, Tim, now that we just wrapped up July, what was one of your highlights from the month? Uh, July went by incredibly quickly. Uh, I can't believe that we're already into August 1st. Uh, I think, you know, I had lots of just great memories just hanging with the kids. Uh, we had some really nice weather, so we were spending time. We have an above-ground pool and taking the dog for a walk. Uh, we had a ton of fun at our local Canada Day celebration. Uh, and then it was also just a nice couple of days in Vancouver. Uh, even though there was some rain, uh, it was nice just to, you know, be at a conference, do some learning uh, and enjoy some time by the ocean. I think being by water is always really good for the soul. But uh, crazy month. But uh, as I said, lots of lots of good time with the kids. Well, that and, and the self-care portion that kind of fits right in with our theme, that wealth of wellness in the charity sector. So I believe we're um, covering four topics today. Do you want to introduce them? Yeah, so kind of the first topic is really looking at and understanding the idea of burnout uh, and how that compassion fatigue can really just sometimes be that drain on employees within the charitable sector. Uh, we're also going to look at then how do you support your team through that? How do you continue to build both, you know, your personal, but also your team's resilience uh, to keep everyone motivated for getting towards your mission and vision? Uh, and then trying to wrap up a little bit, kind of, I think, tying in last week and this week, really continuing to empower, uh, you know, the champions on your team, continuing to bring in uh, your network to help them uh, again, especially at times when you are feeling a little bit of that burnout and fatigue that sometimes comes at this time of year. Exactly. I think in charity and non-for-profit, often it's sometimes an expectation of people outside of our sector or people within our sector that um, we kind of work from the bottom of the barrel. Um, maybe we don't have the best resources. So I think this is an important topic of how to catapult our team to be um, healthy and productive and also fulfilled. So to start off, um, understanding burnout and compassion fatigue, which happens in the not-for-profit often, how would you recognize signs of burnout? Well, and, and I think first off, it's important to recognize that, you know, it is incredibly difficult at times to recognize within yourself that you are feeling burnt out and tired and and you know I actually I shared something about this uh probably about a month ago on my LinkedIn where you know I had I had been with the org uh my previous organization almost 17 years I was executive director for 10 and during that time and even when I left I I wouldn't say that I personally felt burnt out or or tired but once I kind of got away and, and was able to, you know, create probably some different boundaries and really uh, had a little bit of a different balance in my life, realized 
that that I was burnt out. I was I was being kind of pulled in numerous directions. And you know, you can't, you know, it's like it's like juggling, right? You can't keep, you know, eight different balls in the air. You might be able to do it for a short period, but you know, I wasn't you're eventually going to drop one or all of them. And you know, now now that I've taken that step back, realized that you know it was probably a miracle that i i didn't drop more uh as i mm-hmm. was trying to balance everything uh, and probably in hindsight the the area that was hit the hardest would have been my family uh it, it was not uncommon for me to you know be at the office for 8 a.m getting home at 5 30 6 o'clock uh, and then once the kids were into bed you know back on my phone or back on the computer trying to to get ahead you know, feel like that I was trying to accomplish, get something off the to-do list before I called it a night. And 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 kind of the example and what I talked about on my LinkedIn was, as a nonprofit leader, you you need to lead by example. And if if your staff see you putting in those types of hours or sending emails at nine o'clock at night, no matter how many times you tell them, just because I'm working late doesn't mean you have to work late. Uh, there's always going to be that additional pressure. And, you know, eventually you're going to create that culture that that is the expectation of the organization. And uh, you could be setting up your team to be burnt out without you even knowing because you're pushing yourself to unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes your body will not listen to you and it, it will wake you up with, you know, with something catastrophic or a wake up call that says like, you can't go this hard. But I think it's something we battle as directors constantly and probably more so than even our staff. Um, The, you know, we do more with less. And so how do we balance that? So definitely it's, it's something I'm trying to get better at, but it's, it's very hard. And what, what are some of the impacts of burnout that that you have had in your workplace or with your teams and how have you, how has that manifested and, and how have you um, curved it? You know, I think, I think as we look at, we look at some of the challenges, there are, I mean, there's, there's always going to be work that can be done. There's always, you know, the to-do list is always going to get longer before it gets shorter. So, Sometimes it is about really just prioritizing and, you know, what what needs to be done today and what in the grand scheme of things can wait for tomorrow. Or, as you said, we always try to do more and more with less. And it's about setting realistic expectations in terms of, you know, is is doing this barbecue actually going to, you know, generate the revenue for the organization? And. You know, it is about that that balancing act, and especially in the fundraising world, it is incredibly easy to take every opportunity that's presented to you. But is going in front of and doing a barbecue that is actually costing you four hundred dollars plus staff time to maybe bring in five hundred or six hundred dollars actually beneficial? And do you actually get that much PR mm-hmm. from being there. And I think that is probably fatal mistake number one for the sector is we don't value staff time. 
we never include the cost of staff time in the expenses of a fundraiser or we never talk about you know the value of staff time when planning and organizing an event so if in those metrics we're not valuing our time then we're going to continue to not value our time when it comes to the rest of our work and I would say more often than not, I've seen staff who are, you know, not taking their lunch. They're there, you know, 40 minutes before they officially start getting paid or they're there an hour after they're supposed to be off the clock. And again, if you're setting up those kind of maybe unconscious expectations, uh, you could actually be creating a, a really dangerous culture within your organization. and and perhaps not even realizing that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I think a wake up call for me was, um, you know, we get over asked as charities and, and people assume that it's all volunteers that will be coming in and doing the work or, and they mean well, like for bottle drives and barbecues and all of those things. And it's usually on staff's days off, um, but when, you know, when you have college diplomas and university degree people, you know, picking bottles and ditches and going door to door on, on bottle drives, you really have to rethink your your financial structure and, and the goals. So the cost of return, yeah, always take into account and it, it's okay to say no and getting over that um, part. So well, that's a bit about the burnout. So and on a more positive note, topic to how to nurture your team and build up your team for self-care and dispel dispelling the guilt and stigma. So what are some strategies um, you have created or that you have really worked in your um, charities for prioritizing your team? I think I think some of the things that we've done as an organization include just finding ways to bring a little bit of fun into into the workplace again whether it's i can think of examples of my team you know listening to abba or you know having you know makeshift dance parties in the back or sometimes it's about we had a we had a summer camp that ran out of our out of our office building so Sometimes it's a beautiful Friday afternoon and the best thing you can do is fill up water balloons and go ambush the kids outside. <laughs> uh, the work, especially when I was at Big Brothers Big Sisters, the, the work we can do, as you would know, can be incredibly tough at times. Like when, when, when it's a tough day, it's a tough day. And sometimes you need to be able to balance out those tough days with, with some days where you're not going to be productive or those days where it's okay to have a little bit of fun and, and do something, you know, a trip to Dairy Queen or uh, a quick donut breakout in the sun. Uh, I also think that it is really about talking, talking about the idea of like work life and integration. Uh, and it is about kind of eliminating the idea of the work days of work day and after work activities or after work activities. If you want to go get a pedicure at one o'clock in the afternoon, because that's when you can get an appointment, then go do it. Because at the end of the day, you know your schedule best than anyone. And that work is going to be done at another time. Like I think, 
I think it is really trying to break down those walls around what is what is a work day and and again I think you can encourage it all you want but then if you are encouraging that and then make jokes about oh you tough day at the office when you have to go you know you went and got a pedicure oh tough day at the office then are you really truly encouraging that type of work environment because now that person is going to think twice before they go and do it again Mm -hmm. and again it is about it is about really setting that culture that your staff are okay to do those things and you're empowering them to do it. Uh, I spoke about the conference I was just at and uh, Dr. Troy Hall was one of the keynote speakers and he talked about the the age of recalibration. Uh, so again, people talk about, you know, the age of quiet quitting or the age of now rage quitting. Uh, and he really talked about, you know, the age of recalibration because, and as he said, now is a time where people are choosing what they want to do and who they want to do it for. So now more than ever, we're empowering our employees to make decisions about their work environment. And how do we continue to, uh, how do we continue to create that environment then that they truly are feeling empowered to do that? I don't know, Crystal, I know you you and your team have had some really good examples of trying to prioritize that kind of culture and dispelling kind of the guilt and stigma that comes around work-life balance. Uh, what are some things that maybe have worked for you? Well, I think especially after fundraising campaigns, like we work hard and when we work hard, we have a little saying, hair straight back. Like we're in the ditches together. Um, we're in the trenches, you know, all the way through there's not much um, pause or or breaks so when the going is that um, strong and and winded um, as soon as that fundraising season ends i i always usually chorus is our favorite uh, after party for fundraising season Um, i would usually take the staff to chorus for breakfast we'd take the whole morning off we'd reconnect and uh, it wouldn't be a debrief about the fundraisers. It would just be refilling our tank and filling our sunshine back up. Um, other things, just really understanding that, you know, after a camp, like camps are a lot of work and, and our staff, you know, always put on the extra sparkle and go the extra mile. So after summer camps, you know, we didn't have the luxury of having air conditioning. So sometimes it could be a 42 degree day in our building um, we would pack up the paddle boards and we'd all go paddle boarding and and I'd get the coolers and fill them with lunches and we just go sit on the lake all together um, for it, it's only really taking two hours out of your work day but um, just really building them back up and letting them have time to decompress and and basically refill their tank um, just recognizing who after, you know, a five day summer camp, who wants to do paperwork in a 42 degree house. So just recognizing that we'd even have um, times where it would be the best day of summer and and just recognizing that and say, everyone can go home two hours early, go take your kids to the park, you know, go to the pool um, and, and with pay, we're not going to take pay off 
but it, this is the best day of summer, go go all home early and those kind of things. But I think also um, when we think of refilling our staff, it's not always professional development. It, it can be a creative experience. It can be a spa day, um, different things like this. Um, and then, you know, just allowing it, like you said, not being cynical about it but being sincere in allowing it. So this moves on to a good topic, building resilience within your team. And this is one as well that can create wellness within your team. So what are some strategies or some experiences you've had to build the resilience within your team setting, especially with um, you know the compassion fatigue that can really take place when we take people from traumatic circumstances or they're coming to us from a really emotionally uncontrolled place um, you know and we need to build that resilience within our people i think one of the first things that and and maybe this is a benefit and i, I hate to even talk about covid and benefits but maybe maybe this is one of those unintended benefits of covid was breaking down that persona that toughness is a trait that should be desired in the workplace and and I guess where I'm going with that is and I mean I was I was just as bad for it you know going to work and working you know a long day when you're deathly ill was treated as a badge of honor rather than something really silly to do and I think you know, we've, I've seen it with other things where, you know, you, you have a difficult conversation or heaven forbid you're having a conversation where you may have to let go or discipline an employee. And those are, no matter how many times you do it, those are never fun conversations to have. And it used to be, well, it's part of the job, suck it up, move on. And I think now especially in the last couple of years, it's it's recognizing that sometimes being a leader is tough and sometimes being the leader means you have to make difficult decisions and it's okay to take the time you need. If you need 30 minutes after a difficult meeting to go to your car and listen to music to get your mind off of it or maybe even go to your car and have a cry or go for a walk around the neighborhood. Like that's okay. You don't have mm -hmm. to be, you don't have to be that quote unquote tough person to be a leader. Like there's, there's strength and vulnerability. And I think that's something we need to, we need to talk about. And as a leader now is also then incredibly important that you're instilling that sense of it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to take the time you need to your team as well. And that's that's one of the things where if I know my team is having a difficult meeting or you know having or have taken you know something has come up that you know take the rest of the afternoon, take an hour, take the time you need, uh, and and really just letting them know that you're there to support them however you need and and also recognizing that everybody processes that stress and those emotions in different ways so if your team come if your team member comes to you five hours after a difficult meeting to say hey 
uh, I need to take 15 minutes, kind of now I'm taking time to digest. Again, it's it's easy sometimes to make off the cuff comments of, you know, oh, you know, that that was so long ago, like, aren't you over it by now? Everybody processes that in different ways, and, and it is about just being respectful and helping your team members through whatever process they may or may not be going through. And again, you know, we, the nonprofit world, people who are choosing to work in the field are doing so because they're incredibly passionate about the cause. And they, they strongly believe in what your organization is doing. And with that comes a whole wide, you know, set of emotions as well. And, you know, it is a, the nonprofit field that quite often is full of a lot of warm, fuzzy people. And it is sometimes easy to hide those. And I mean, again, I'm probably just as bad for it. Using humor sometimes as a way to disguise those those tough and, and difficult conversations. And that is something that I've had to grow as a leader for as well, is there's a time for humor and there's a time for sarcasm. And there's times that you just need to be quiet and listen. It's, it is one of those things that is, uh, you know, as, as we look to build resilience within your team, I feel one of the most important places to start is really that acceptance and understanding throughout the organization that it is okay to show compassion and it's okay to think about yourself. And with that, you're also then helping build that resilience. Mm -hmm. I think you touched on a couple really strong points, having the good support system within your team, knowing when to reach out to your own support system, but also that leadership can be a lonely place. And over the years, I've realized I need strong leaders in my circle of trust whether it's colleagues from other not-for-profits or people in leadership positions um, to, you know, have that sounding board and advisory um, and that protected space to have empathy and, and be there for each other and having it, you know, a trusted group is important. Different little breaks I like to do to build resilience within my team. You know, if, if we're going hard inside and we're only worried about our own four walls, um, take a break and go help another organization. We did that recently. We went and helped Big Brothers Big Sisters with their Kids and Cops program. It was just a matter of, you know, cooking taco in a bag and it just, the kids filled us back up. And, you know, we've, we've had a really busy summer. So going and helping another organization, you know, really empowered our team and and rejuvenated them. We've done other random acts of kindness. Um, we've created kind of baskets for the maintenance staff in our building um, and, and different, you know, go, go deliver and make their day. Um, we have a lot of senior citizen programs in our organization. So one of my team members made some positive um, cards with little cute quotes, took them over to um, a senior's building. Um, you know, helping others always fills you up. As we move into our last topic, topic four, empowering our charity champions. Um, so how to empower your team, 
promoting a culture of well-being within our charity with open communication and support. What are some ways that you foster camaraderie and cooperation within your teams? I think part of it is recognizing that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be best friends with everyone on your team, but creating opportunities for that team building and, the, and that those relationships to develop. I know personally, one of the things that I did was really kind of make sure that I put into my calendar kind of unofficially twice a day just to do kind of casual walkabouts throughout the building and into the various centers that were running in the building just to, to say hello, chat with the team, see how their day is going. Uh, try to also make sure I'm asking questions beyond just what is going on with their work day because it's always easy to talk about the work but really trying to take that that interest in uh them as as a team and really just trying to build that that culture within the organization i think as well as we talked about kind of earlier in the podcast is really about the flexibility and encouragement of creating that flexible work environment uh, again, and, and now I'm talking about a second benefit of COVID is uh, really proving that work can be done outside of the office place. And I think if you were to ask me pre-COVID about the idea of working remotely from uh, at a Big Brother's Big Sister's perspective, I would have just laughed at you and said, there's no way we could have done it. And we figured out a way to make it work through COVID. So it is really about empowering the staff to take some control of their work environment and work remotely. And if that means, you know, you're out sitting uh, with your feet in a kiddie pool because it's 30 degrees outside, uh, that's okay. Like it is about it is about creating that environment where employees are empowered to take control of their own work environment. I, I think one of the other things is really just I mean, I'm a big I'm a big believer in professional development and training, uh, and and again promoting that. And I think as leaders, you also set the tone. So if if your staff see you investing in yourself and your prodi, then they are going to see that that's an important thing. Uh, if if it's one of those things that you continually push off because oh I don't have time for that, uh, then it is. It's one of those things that then they feel that it's okay to push off. And I mean, I think probably the last thing I would touch on is, and and this was, I don't even remember what, I was at a Pro-D event and somebody had mentioned this and it has been a message that has resonated with me for ever since. I was going to say forever, but since I've taken this is kind of eliminating the phrase, I don't have time out of your vocabulary. And whether that is about taking vacation, whether that's about taking your personal time, or whether that's even a staff member pops into your office and says, hey, do you have a couple minutes to chat? You always find time to prioritize what is important to you. So if you are saying, I don't have time, or I don't have time to chat right now, you're signaling that that's not a priority. I don't have time for that pedicure or I don't have time for that again is sending the signal that mental health and well-being is not a priority. So 
I think I took that as a takeaway is eliminating that phrase, I don't have time and figuring out how to balance, you know, the wellness aspect of work into that work-life integration. And as I said, I'm, I'm definitely a work in progress. It is, uh, it is, I think, an important thing to recognize and to strive for. Know that it's okay to take time for you. No, I love that, taking that out of the vocabulary. That's brilliant. And even one step further, I think having, you know, in my world, we're in office, but having that open door policy where my door's always open and and then other people's doors are always open for them to support each other too, not, not just um, my door. And uh, one of the things we do um, that we just experimented with that was a huge success was uh, we had a team book club. So we chose two um, different books that had to do with the power of a positive team. And we split into two teams and we did a weekly book club where, you know, sometimes we would uh, read together and sometimes we would have to do homework. And, and then we would come together once a week and, and talk about what we learned in the book and put it on the wall. And so our walls are covered in in book club notes right now and it really filled our bucket and was great networking. Um, I scoured the internet to try to find a template for this and could not find a workplace book club. So I have created one. So if anybody wants um, you know, the templates, just DM us or, or comment and, and I'll send you the, the template. But it was a very pos positive and powerful experience. Uh, I think it took us about six weeks so every Tuesday we, we would do our book club and everybody often said, I don't have time. So I, I love that phrase taken out um, because we were diligent and, and made time even when we felt that we couldn't make time for, for ourselves or each other. Um, so that was that was awesome. And I think also equipping your team, like you said, for professional development and and in charity, that's often a faux pas. Why would you spend money when you're out fundraising and now you're gonna, just going to go to a course and stay in a hotel? Like, it's funny how the lens of charity is different than the lens of the for-profit world. And so, so just ensuring that you are valuable as a team member and as a leader. So just to recap, um, Tim, so with the wealth of wellness, um, how do you summarize it? I guess in a nutshell. I think to try to summarize it in a very concise way is that you matter as a leader to be successful and to make sure your organization is successful. You need to prioritize the time for you and that it is okay to be vulnerable. Uh, it's okay to ask for help when you need it and to surround yourself with caring people. And as you said, the, the work and job can be very isolating at times. So make sure that you have somebody you can pick up the phone or send a DM or send a text to say, hey, today's a tough day. Uh, and, and know that they're there to have your back. And at the end of the day, uh, it's, okay to, it's okay to take that time and uh, treat yourself when when you need to yeah and your team as well those are great thoughts 
So in closing, we just want to also recognize that we want to give away a Starbucks card, but we need more Google reviews, our Spotify and Apple reviews and more followers so we can see who you are. I think in the world of uh, Spotify and Apple, we need uh, more reviews. So make sure you follow the, the series two, um, the charity coffee chats, and we will get that draw going hopefully next next time we record next week. If you're hearing this message and you've made it to the entire end of the episode, we thank you um, for sticking with us right till the end. Um, follow us and also let us know what topics you want us to cover as well. So thank you for listening and, and following along, but definitely we want to be interactive. So drop us your thoughts. If you want any information, Tim and I are more than happy to to answer you as well excellent well until next time have a great week everyone enjoy your coffee